Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I am your host for today's episode. On today's episode, we're talking about embracing humility. Humility is one of those virtues that we would like to see in others, but not in ourselves. It is difficult to live out consistently. But what is humility? Why should we, regardless of whether we are Christians or not, strive for humility? But before we get into today's episode, I got to tell you, I am super excited to announce that the Apologetics Canada Conference is back. This time, you're going to have two opportunities, one in Saskatchewan and one in B.C., To join us for the Saskatchewan Conference, it's going to be held on February 10th at 5 p.m. at Briarcrest College in Cairnport, Saskatchewan. To join us for the BC Conference, it'll be held on March 3rd starting at 7 p.m. at Northview Community Church. And I'll just say, the super early bird tickets are already live, so you can head to ApologeticsCanada.com slash events and scroll. Just look for Apologetics Canada Conference. We hope to see you there. It's an opportunity for like-minded people to think about important life issues. At this year's Apologetics Conference, we're having Far Curlin, John Dixon, Monique Dusson, Neil Shenvey, and many more. So make sure you head to our site, ApologeticsCanada.com, to register and purchase tickets today. And now for the podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the AC Podcast. I'm here today with the trio of Andy and Steve. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Um, doing well. Yeah, doing well. Recovering from the candy coma. The candy yeah, coma, as of yes. The, yeah, as of the recording of this podcast, yesterday was a, uh, officially the Reformation Day, 505th anniversary of, which means we go around knocking on doors and collecting candies. Well, <laughs> really, it was child labor. My kids did it for me, so. <laughs> <laughs> but they had fun. It was good. Yeah, I I never got really into... I never really got into Halloween as a kid. I went to all the awesome hallelujah parties. Hallelujah parties? (laughs) Yeah, man. It was... To all you parents out there, you don't got to do that to your oh, kids. Oh man, I didn't know because it's just a weird explanation on Monday. I've I've heard of harvest parties, but hallelujah parties—that's the first man. That's fantastic. Oh yeah, we'd have hallelujah parties, and then we'd have a. Uh, some people would be dressed up as different Bible characters. I I never was because uh, I, that was just too far. I was like, I can't wear a towel and a, a cloth every single year. <laughs> oh my word. But um, actually, something else that just happened this past weekend was we just finished our second leadership summit of the year um, out at Sasquatch Mountain. And so if any of you of our leaders that we got to meet this weekend are listening, thank you guys so much again for for coming. It was amazing getting to meet you and spending the time with you. I, I know Andy and I, like, we're just... You know, we haven't really had too much of a time apart from our debrief to talk about the weekend. But I know that... It was just an incredible time getting to hang out with all of you. Yeah, it was it was an amazing uh, weekend. If uh, the Leadership Summit is new to you, it's an opportunity that we uh, here at AC identify, equip, and network our future leaders. And one of the things that we've been talking a lot about uh, as an organization is our desire to be an on-ramp for uh, Christian leaders as an organization to be an on-ramp. And this is, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you have these ideas, you know what I mean? You know, where you guys, you know, we dream up things and you're like, well, we'll see what happens. But this is one of those things that we <laughs> dreamt up and have been pleasantly surprised, has been very effective in his working. And it's exciting to see this uh, develop across Canada. So we have one that's coming up uh, in Ontario 
But you know what? Also, just be in prayer with us because we've put in some grant, uh, put in a grant application to try to fund AC doing this across Canada. So we're we're excited about the opportunity. You know, quite honestly, when you guys did um, Leadership Summit for the first time back in February, I think, because the one that you just did was the second one, right? I yeah. was like, okay, well, this is a cool one-off thing that we're doing. And then you guys come back from it. Oh, it was so good. We're going to do this again. Like every year. I was like, okay, okay. I see how it is. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it as it is, it's actually spreading like wildfire. Because uh, Wes in Ontario is preparing to have the Leadership Summit out there at Camp Mediba in the uh, Muskoka region there. Uh, coming up yep. early May. So keep your eyes open for that too if you live in the area and want to come out definitely sign up for that yeah yeah we're going to get into the, to today's topic and i think it's it's fitting as um in a lot of ways as we reflect on the year that ac has had we've we've had a lot of different events and really being the first um amount the first sequence of events that we've gotten to have since the pandemic has has afforded us to to gather together again but it's it's definitely something that that leading into this topic, we're talking about humility this morning. And there's definitely a level that when you're doing ministry, that either you can get humbled or you can seek to live a lifestyle of humility. And even when you're seeking to live a lifestyle of humility, God will still humble you. But before before we really take a deep dive into it, I, w- I was wondering if you guys would love to share a story about how God has kept you humble, um, whether it's just in general or something in ministry specifically. Let me just say, let me just preface by saying this. First of all, I don't know if I would love to share a story of being humbled, but I will. <laughs> I, I will share. Words are uh, important. <laughs> no, but I, I say that because I remember early on as, uh, you know, committing my life to Jesus, following after the Lord, particularly when I came up to Bible college. I'm, at, I'm in Canada. Canada has been a large part of God's humbling process in my life. And, you know, for, for, for whatever, for whatever reason. And I remember praying that God would just keep me humble. And that, that is a prayer request that the Lord has honored. (laughs) He hasn't stopped honoring. And my, I don't, so it's like, I have no problem finding it, you know, an example of, of me being humbled. It's more like, can I not find an example of me being humbled? I feel like ministry has just been (laughs) one long humbling process. So I've got plenty of examples for you, uh, Troy, but it sounds like Steve, you got, you got one on, on the tip of your tongue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it's been having kids. (laughs) It's been a super humbling experience. Because, you know, I, I used to, like, it's an interesting thing, thing though. Like, it's a really a discovery, like a self-discovery process when you have kids. Because I used to think, oh, I'm so laid back. I'm going to be, like, such a wonderful parent. And I have kids. I'm anything but, right? Like, I find, <laughs> I realize just how, like, I like structure and stuff like that, too. Because I always thought, hey, I'm a pretty laid back guy. I, I'm pretty spontaneous. And I am that, especially compared to my wife, who is like, she's a born administrator, right? So she likes organization, structure, everything. Me, I'm not like that. But when I had kids, I realized, you know what? I do like my structure and I tend to drive my kids really hard and I ha- tend to have pretty high expectations of them. And those expectations 
can be unrealistic and they're not met. And then I'm just like, you know what? That was pretty dumb of me to expect that of like nine year old and six year old or whatever. Um, so just kind of having all of these grandiose visions of me being a good parent completely getting shattered. <laughs> that was pretty humbling, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could say I could I could say a lot about children or marriage, but actually one of the one of the most humbling experiences for me, and I think um many Bible college kids, <laughs> anyone who's gone through Bible college may have gone through something like this. I remember the first time I was asked to to ever preach, and it was actually in Vancouver. I was still living in Saskatchewan at the time, but we were doing a mission trip to we we did a mission trip where we got to go and do work on East Hastings in Vancouver. And I was given the opportunity to go preach two sermons at a drop-in center, a men and women's drop-in center. And so I had I'd always like I'm like, man, I get to preach. I'm so excited. I'm like, you know, spent all this time. I was like, okay, three-point sermon. Here's my three points. Here's my my scripture verses. Everything is so beautiful and structured. Little joke here, little metaphor here, and here's how I'm going to bring it home. I had it I practiced and went through everything and I'm like, I'm going to shut it down. Like people are going to fall out for sure. Um <laughs> I do the first sermon um for the for the men. And it it goes off well. I'm getting the the compulsory amens every now and again. And it's, I'm feeling really good about myself. And it's like, I got like five, 10 minute turnover. And then I got to preach the same message. This is where I learned that context matters because what was, what the men were really gripping to what, you know, my sermon at the time was very much like, man, God is calling us to be men of integrity and warriors. And that. it was just very like masculinity charged. And, so then when I went to go preach this same message to the women, I realized maybe like two minutes in, oh, this is not going to hit the same. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm in the middle of trying to, and this is very, very early on in like my communicating. And so I'm tr trying to find like, I couldn't like work my way around it as smoothly as I maybe could now, but it w it just went so bad. I remember one point. This is this was when I knew for sure that like the Lord had taken His hands off the moment. He was. <laughs> I was like, "Amen," and people were like, eh. <laughs> like "Nobody's." I was like, I couldn't even get an "Amen" in that moment. And right in that moment, I realized I was like, "Oh, pastoring is more than just." doing a sermon and it was honestly that was that moment that i was like okay lord i don't know if i'm fit to be a pastor because i thought that this was all that it was that's that's one of those moments when you're preaching and you go into autopilot and you start having a conversation with yourself in your head and you're, and you're like i need to get off this stage as stupid, quickly stupid, as possible stupid, stupid. <laughs> yes yes oh man as you guys are talking i'm like thinking of many many examples of uh, humbling in my life from kids, Steve, I can fully resonate with that from kids barfing yeah. on you to them full on slapping you as children. I don't know if you guys have had that where you just hold your kids and they just <laughs> yeah. full on wind up and just smack you. And here's like, you just oh, yeah. open hand slapped me. You know? Like, every <laughs> like <morning. laughs> my sister Lisa used to think that was the funniest thing. Uh, yeah, so, you know, and then even just, you know, the the little things with regards to parenting and thinking you're you're going to be the the best parent ever sort of thing, and then your kids humble you. As well as my first sermon. My first sermon was 
at my girlfriend's church, which so happened to be Nancy, the um, my wife, and her all of her fam, just about all of her family were at that church for my oh, very dude. first oh, sermon. <laughs> it's one of those moments. I do not envy that. That I like to think about. You know. The clouds of heaven being parted by the hands of God as he gathers the angels and says, come, come and watch this. <laughs> watch, watch as Andy makes a fool of himself. On, you don't want to miss this moment. <laughs> I was even oh, telling about a moment um, at the leadership summit with Troy when I was pastoring and I was out with a group of young adults and I was trying to be cool. And uh, I did gymnastics when I was younger. And so I thought, hey, I'll show them how you can do this uh, handstand on the bars. And I was wearing, I was after church. So I was wearing like these church khaki pants. But uh, if anybody's ever seen my hands, the Lord, the Lord had extra parts when he made me. Wasn't sure what to do with them. So he put them in my thumbs. I have big thumbs, man. And my, I went to do this handstand on these parallel bars. So I'm like swinging my legs up but my pockets catch both thumbs simultaneously. And between, you know, it's like, okay, either the pants are going to win or my thumbs are going to win. Well, my thumbs had like one, no problem and ripped the pants right off my body. And just, (laughs) I didn't even know that's possible, but it is possible. I I witnessed it. I I lived through it, but I'm like, this is so, I had to to walk home like that, man, with like pants ripped off my body. (laughs) (laughs) To put things into perspective, listeners, when Andy gives you a thumbs up, it speaks to your soul. Like it just, it, like your generations are blessed through a thumbs up from Andy. Like my kids feel it when I get a thumbs up. They'll stop what they're doing. The blessing is immense. It's in direct proportion to the size of his thumb. My kids, his kids feel it. Uh, dude, that, that, a double portion of thumb blessing. That's hilarious, man. And it. Listen, though, honestly, though, if I were to just to pick one story of of humbling, which, of course, there's many, uh, I think <laughs> one of the ones though that was the hardest for me is when I became a Christian, uh, this might be, you know, uh, surprising, but when I, it wasn't until I became a Christian that I actually fell in love with learning. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't really try in school until... Uh, at the at the very end, when I was graduating from high school, and I I gave my life to the Lord, and then when I went off to Bible college, then learning was important to me, and and I wanted to try hard, and I wanted to do well, because I I I I now had uh, a reason. Before then, I I just kind of felt like life was mean was meaningless, and the hard part though, the this the humbling, was that I could never really do like what I wanted. I wanted to ace my tests and I wanted to get perfect marks and sort of thing. I never could, never could. I, and and I remember like I would have these tests that I'd study so hard for and I'd still get like one or two wrong. And, and most people I think would be like excited about that. But I, I was like in tears because I'm like, Lord, why can I not do as well as I want to do? And the Lord like had to just use this in in my life maybe this will resonate with some people i don't know but this was a hard moment for me and uh and it was also incredibly humbling because my wife nancy graduated valedictorian she can ace things no problem uh i remember (laughs) her and i when we were first married her a gift that she gave me was scuba diving lessons and her and i were taking scuba diving lessons and 
you know, she aced her like scuba exam and I got like too wrong. And I'm just like, this is just the worst. <laughs> I, you know, even when yeah. it's not just things with ministry, it was one of those moments that God used to, to keep my focus where it needed to be. Yeah. I, it, I think humility as we as we start getting into this, I've, I've found sometimes that, and, and this is maybe, maybe we don't need to start right here yet, but I've definitely in my life d- looked for opportunities to kind of run away from being humbled because it, it really can be embarrassing, especially when whatever the foundation of what you're standing on in that moment, whatever is kind of leading you essentially to, to, to being prideful is, is something that you've really put on because then the moment you're humbled, there is this nakedness to it. There is this like, man, I am exposed for my humanity. And you would think that as someone who is, you know, wanting to, someone who loves the Lord, who is pursuing the Lord would be okay with his recognizing his own frailty and, 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 but we're just not naturally wired that way. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, you know, a hundred percent. And that was one of the, you know, that was one of the hard parts about losing my hair, by the way, like going bald was, was challenging. Steve, Steve's like, I, I feel you. Yeah. Steve, I, feel you. I feel that in my soul. <laughs> yeah. A lot of solidarity you happening know, right now. <laughs> th- th- there's these moments where, you know, sometimes you can go looking for humility, but oftentimes humility comes looking for you. And, and it's those moments in your mm-hmm. life, you know, like, like balding where you got to like come to terms with your lot in life, like my, you know, like the Lord has just blessed me with, you know, with, with baldness and, you know, and, and learning, you know, here's a big one I would say is learning, uh, to not take yourself too seriously, learning to not take life too seriously. Now I know that might sound, sound odd, but it's actually part of at AC, it's part of our ethos is to not take ourselves too seriously because, You've got to you've got to be able to laugh at things. If you're not mm-hmm. able to to laugh, uh, you know you you kind of you you begin to just lose yourself because the reality is is we are not perfect, and yeah. we you gotta you gotta come to terms with that at, at some level. So it's interesting, by the way. Uh, many of you have heard these stories, but I I started learning to laugh about it early on. My I remember my kids kids have a way of identifying any sensitive spots in your life. And then they start poking at those. Uh, so my kids, I remember early on, they're like, dad, uh, why are you bald? And, uh, and so I, I'd be, (laughs) (laughs) so I, I would take on this, like, so like really somber tone as I would explain to, to my kids that, that the good Lord had accidentally made me too beautiful. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> and that the lord the lord uh explained to me like i'm sorry you know i'm sorry to do this to you andy but i i accidentally made you too beautiful i'm gonna i'm gonna need to take your hair and uh <laughs> right. one of these days i gotta make a video of this like you know <laughs> with some flashbacks to to me with like just this yeah, gorgeous right. locks and that uh that the lord uh the lord took my hair but it was so funny because my kids had this look like no, no, I don't think I don't think that's it. <laughs> you got any other reasons in that little box of tricks? <laughs> and then my you know, then Nancy would who, start laughing, and then they'd be like, "Okay, that's that right. was definitely not it." I know, as as someone who has luscious locks and can't share in that ne- that moment necessarily, <laughs> the one thing that 
has always like that I actually wrestled with for a very long time was the fact that I had to have glasses mm. because as a as a as a soccer player as someone who loves sports my glasses were constantly getting destroyed like it was like every couple months my parents were having to buy a new pair or after I got a new pair is like one recess and you get hit in the face and you're not even in pain but it's like your glasses look like you just ran into a train and then everyone's like oh he got destroyed and you're like and it actually was really had me very insecure for for a very very long time and 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 even something to this day where like this this the pair of glasses I'm wearing right now when I ordered my lenses I forgot to get like the thinner the the thinner lens and so it gave me like the thick lens and and so people all of a sudden were like man your prescriptions bad or strong and I'm like yeah yeah and it was it'd be frustrating because I go to the optometrist and they're like you have such healthy eyes you have you're no problems with your eyes and I'm like ma'am I can't see. <laughs> like what are you saying like and it was and it was always the the hardest thing you know i even found myself like lord i don't want my kids to have to wear glasses i don't want my kids to have to go through what i went through because i can't get i can't wear contacts i can't get lasik you know it's not even this thing where you could hide the fact that your eyes are bad it was like they're like nope you're wearing glasses and you're wearing strong glasses mm -hmm. and it's just so interesting how you like you're you're for whatever reason, there's just this innate pride that is in us. Like, it's something so simple. Like, I like wearing glasses. I think I look good in glasses. But it's just that it, maybe pride starts to settle into things where you feel like you don't have a choice. You know, uh, there's so much there that I'd like to draw out. But the analytic philosopher in me is like, okay, hold up. First off, what is humility? You want to define terms, you nerd. <laughs> well, well, since you asked, why don't you go and answer your own question? <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I did wrestle with that. Like, how do I def define this? So I'm like looking up terms like in Greek and, and Hebrew and all that kind of stuff, right? Because I'm looking at it. Okay, what's the biblical view of humility and all that kind of stuff? But it's like, there's nothing really precise and sharp. But there is a very clear kind of a core idea. By the like way, Steve, I got to just say, uh, I, I did the exact yeah. same thing. Uh, and, <laughs> and I noted the same thing. It's interesting because there's different words that are used in Greek for, yeah. for humility. Uh, you mm -hmm, know, from yeah. being humble to gentle and, and yeah. everything in between. So you're right. It, it's actually difficult to pin down. But what were you going to, where, where, where did you land? Yeah, well, it, I, I found that though. It was all like, like you said, it's it's connected to other things. Um, you know, gentleness is a part of it because it's somebody who's humble. You know, you you expect to you expect for him to be also gentle, right? Those kinds of things. But I, I mean, as vague as it sounds, I I found that you know, being humble has to do with lowering yourself, right? And but then of course yeah. the question is, like. What does that even look like to lower yourself and well, all of that? Let me, but let at me least just, there is just, that kind of a I, core idea. Let me just push on that, though, Steve. Do you think? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think it's actually lowering yourself, or would you, or would you say it's actually raising others up? That's a really good question because there's that passage in Philippians two, right, where you know, in humility, count others uh, better than yourselves, right? And look not only for your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And especially that last part seems to suggest, yeah, you're raising everybody else up. Um, 
But perhaps part of it is my cultural upbringing, because in Asia, um, the idea of humility is very much. I, I know in, in the West here lately, what I've heard is like, you know, humility is having a, an accurate view of yourself. You know, having a view that's not like, not loftier than what you actually are. Right, having an accurate, true view of yourself. I'm like, I can, I can agree with that. But then the Asian in me is like, no, that's not what humility looks like. You actually have to self-deprecate to be humble, right? And and so part of it is my cultural upbringing, I think. So sometimes I have a I hard agree. time telling where that line is between the biblical view of of humility as opposed to just my cultural upbringing. But what I have kind of considered is, well. There is a certain connection to some of these words, right? Like humble, humility, humiliation, because that same word that is translated as humble and those kinds of things, they're sometimes used in the Bible to talk about humiliation, right? Like a certain kind of tragedy that you experience in your life and those kinds of things. So it's a, like, you know, like, like you observed, like I observed, there is a kind of a wide range of meanings there. And that's probably why it's so difficult to kind of, this is what it is. Um, I think you raised a good point, Steve, when you brought in the, the cultural component, because I can really resonate as, as a black man, as a, as a Jamaican, like I'm from a very proud culture, you know, like specifically like the Jamaican culture. We are very proud of being Jamaican. And I think you notice that in the fact that there's a Jamaican flag on everything. The you you go you meet a Jamaican, you'll know within the first 10 seconds of your conversation because you ask them, hey, where are you from? Most people, they'll say, well, I'm Jamaican, you know, like mm -hmm. that, even even for myself. Right. It's really only been recent that I've intentionally said I'm Canadian with Jamaican roots, because what that does for a conversation is it actually opens it up more because a lot of people will just identify with the culture they prefer. Yeah. When I, when I think about humility and this is something that you know the lord actually had me kind of walking through in in different ways and this is where i, fi I find there can be some pushback because i think that there's a lot of people that also walk in a false humility but before i go there there's uh, a passage in luke 14 the parable of the wedding feast which i think to answer your question andy if is it raising people up or is it lowering yourself i would say it's both and here's why um the parable of the wedding feast, Luke 14, starting at seven says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by them. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin, then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. I think that that portion right there, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in, in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so I, I find that there is this both there because you got, and you got to be careful because I think some people are like, oh, well, I'm going to humble myself so that I can be exalted. It's like, no, you've you've now missed the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's false humility, right? Like when, when the end of humility is for you to be raised up, you're right. You, you missed the point. Um, yeah. 
So I, I guess on the flip side, you, you would say that in order for you to have true humility, the end is to blank, right? This, that's the part that well, I'm not entirely sure about, right? Is well, it, well, and I think, yeah. it, I, don't, I think it's important to note that God's not discrediting your relationship to that person. Mm-hmm. Like if you put this in a normal context, God is not wanting to discredit your your acclaim or your, you know, like your your status. He's not wanting you to discredit that. But what he's saying is you don't have to walk into a room yeah. with a glaring sign that says, I'm this person, because there's always going to be someone smarter than you. There's always going to be someone yeah. who is more equipped or more experienced than you. What he's saying is when you position yourself to not feel the need to display your credibility, then the opportunity to be raised up, to be exalted, to be honored becomes that much more great because you're, you're the guy sitting at the back of the room that no one knew is this person. Do you know what's interesting uh, about this? M- many things are interesting about it. For, for example, the disciples struggled with this immensely. They were constantly getting in arguments with each other about who's greatest which is just amazing, right? <laughs> I'm greatest. No, I, no, I'm greatest. And there was this constant pride that was needing to be dealt with. And and the reality is, is that humans um, are just drawn to pride. Everybody is is drawn yep. to pride. And this is a, a challenge, I would say, in our culture particularly, because so much of our culture is uh, geared towards pride making, which, which I, which I, which is really challenging. Most, so much of our technology, so much particularly of social media, for example, is about putting your best self in front of everyone in a variety Mm -hmm. of different ways. You know, uh, my, my best photo of myself, my best, you know, the best events in my life that I can, you know, curate online to present myself in the best light possible. It's, it's a, it's just a, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why humility is such an important topic. Maybe it's one that I'm constantly drawn to is so much of our lives are built around pride, actually. Mm -hmm. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a really good point. Um, I was just talking to a young adult the other day and she was just really struggling with a sense of inadequacy, right? Because she constantly kind of fell into this trap of comparing herself to somebody else, especially in light of social media. So this, I think this highlights this um, point where, see, God calls us to be humble. And if he calls us to be humble, I would venture a guess and say, this is probably for our own our own good, right? It's probably good for us to be humble. Um, and, you know, already in the world of social media, we're seeing the impact of the pride, you know, the, the havoc that it's wreaking, not only for yourself, because, you know, quite honestly, people who do that sort of thing, often they feel like complete frauds because after you yeah. take a really happy family photo, you know, you're at each other's throats or whatever, you know, <laughs> or, you know, that seemingly perfect church family, right? 
hey, you know, put your shoes on so we can go to church and yeah. learn about the love of Jesus. You know, all that kind of we stuff. We all been there, man. We've all, <laughs> we been, all there. been there. And then you show up at church with, oh, hi, praise the Lord. It's a good day. You know, <laughs> all that sort of thing. And so I think there is something about uh, humility being good for us. And in one sense in which I think this is true is that I think humility is tied to humanization, right? Because, I mean, earlier you, you were talking about how, yeah, at AC, we try to, you know, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Now, imagine the flip side of that. And I find this helps. I find that this helps when I think about humility and I have a hard time grasping what it is. Just think about the opposite, right? Imagine if AC were full of people who took themselves way too seriously. We wouldn't be able to take criticism very well. So if I started like picking it, hey, Andy, it's not demonstrably, it's, it's yeah. not demonstratively, it's demonstrably, right? And, and we laugh about that and that's good, right? Steve, Steve's and talking about a poke. time that I used the word incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I, and I correct that. And that's one thing that I've really appreciated about Andy, as well as everyone else, is that uh, when I I can actually feel free to kind of make criticism, uh, and so then we can kind of tweak or, things as or, we go. Or maybe to put it more positively, right. not even make criticism, but make correction. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. all correction. we've all seen that where somebody they're just at a place where they're they're beyond even being able to correct. Right? There just creates this awkwardness. But yeah. But Steve, you're that that's such an important thing. Well, it's so really that toxic, that's one yeah. is you know, is correction. But another one is as an organization, if you take yourself too seriously, or as a person, if you take yourself too seriously, you can't laugh at anything. Not nothing, mm -hmm. nothing can be funny. And, uh, and that's yeah. one thing that I think is hard. Yeah. Honestly, I think this is a hard one for us to appreciate about Jesus, that Jesus had a sense of humor and that Jesus mm -hmm. would be joking with the disciples. I think that's a tough one for a lot of people to accept about Jesus is that, uh, yeah, that he knew how to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that is where we kind of see the human side of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, you know, you and I are all flawed in one way or another, right? And so then to be able to laugh about that, it creates a bond. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do we know that we're good friends? Well, we can make fun of our hair or lack thereof and we can laugh about it we can tease andy about his the size of his thumb and we can <laughs> laugh about it or we can you know with gentleness and respect, <laughs> with gentleness and respect. but right I, but that's one thing that i love about working with you guys is that i can actually be comfortable around you right mm -hmm. like you can be sure that if you crack a joke about me being asian like I, I actually enjoy that, and I think it takes the power, it, in a lot of ways, takes the power out of any sort of, you know, potential racism that might be there. Like, if I can just make fun of it, if I laugh about it, like, I'm the first one who will say, you know, if I wake up too early in the morning, I can blindfold myself with, you know, like, this floss, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. and, and, I, and I enjoy it. And, and I, when I can laugh about it, it puts everybody Wait else a minute. at ease. Wait a minute. Blind your, <laughs> blindfold yourself with floss, Steve? 
By the way, when Steve yeah, first started I, I, working with us, he would constantly crack Asian jokes. He thinks Asian jokes are hilarious. And uh, I I remember being in the office with Steve going, can, can I laugh at that? Like, I, Steve, I don't even I know laugh at that. <laughs> he said that like it was just another word. Another that word. It's like, and me, and, and I can blind myself with floss, and I'm going to carry on saying this wonderful thing about humility. Like, oh, my word, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, it, Oh, my gosh. But uh, Sharina knows this all too well. Is when we got married, you know, there there were certain things that we had. Well, she's she's white, you know, I'm Asian, and we're obviously we look different, um, and so that's something that we had to navigate a little bit. And how do I do this? And well, we knew that we loved each other, so we just started poking fun at one another. We're like, hey, you're locked in now. You've got a <laughs> ring on your finger. We're right, married, right, so right, right. I'm gonna go. And so you know, she constantly cracked jokes, and the the way. That I took that, you know, kind of in a light way and made fun of it. It gave her permission to then just relax around me, right? And so me being, in a sense, humble about it, in a sense, is kind of leading to the flourishing of this unit as a married couple. I always think, though, that you can go, you can go too far. Mm-hmm. Like... Because I think there's a lot of people that that maybe and, and this is part of why we're having the conversation, right? Because I think it is hard to get a grasp of what it really means to be really walking humility. But I think you walk this fine line between humility and false humility or and you know, and you you get to a point where you actually start tearing yourself down. This is one thing, and this is maybe maybe you guys may want to offer some pushback here, because I also have this issue of People that don't talk to themselves like they're not a big deal to the Lord. Not a big deal in the sense of like, man, I'm the, I'm the best in the West and God. Is, but this idea that like, man, the Lord is a, he has put you in a position of authority. He's put you in a position for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the people that he needs you to reach. And you can't, you can't dumb that down. You can't, you know, dumbing down the gifts and the abilities he's given you. Now, because script, scripture says, I boast in, I boast in the Lord. Because and there's you can fully have a recognition of who he is and and what he's done, and you say that man, man, it's not this, um, it's not that any of these things are just because of who I am, but these are truly gifts that he's given me. But I just think about how Paul was unafraid to say, "I've worked harder than any of you. I've been I speak in tongues more than any of you, and I do this for the sake of who Christ is. I do this for the sake of who God is." But there's moments like that where I look at Paul and I'm like, would we say that Paul was being arrogant? Because if someone today were to go and say that, you know, especially from the pulpit, like those exact words, I think very quickly people would want to tear them down and be like, man, this guy is prideful. Who does he think he is? This is something that I've been uh, thinking a lot about, Troy, because depending upon who you are, you will struggle with something different. We don't all struggle, of course, with the Mm -hmm. same thing. And so... One right. of the things that I've talked about from the the stage, if you will, from in in different talks I've been, I've given, is that you're not Jesus, and that sometimes you need to just know that you suck, and and it's funny because <laughs> you'll get an audience, you'll get a laugh, you know, when you say that, and there are there are some people in the audience, there's some people like myself that just that just needs to re- be reminded that you suck, and that that you're that 
when you compare yourself to Jesus, there's no comparison. And that's one of the, the beauties about Jesus is you fall in love with Jesus as you see who Jesus is. And then you then you start to want to become a student of Jesus. You want to learn from Jesus saying, Jesus, you know, teach me because I, I am not you. But intriguingly, I had somebody come up to me after I gave a, a talk on that. And they said, man, Andy, uh, my, he goes, my problem is that I, I do believe I suck. You know, that, that uh, and, and it's one of those moments where somebody's just really pushing them, putting themselves down. And, and it, so it is this interesting, you know, give and take where there's some people that need to realize that they don't suck. You know, some of you need to realize you do yeah. suck and others need to remain reminded that you don't suck. It's kind of this funny thing, right? Yeah. Where humility is this constant balancing act, you know, of adjustment where you're, where you're lifting yourself up in some areas and, and putting, you know, your, yourself down in other areas, if you will, not in a, not in a bad way though, in a way that identifies that you are a son or daughter of the, of the King, you know, that God loves you dearly but it's drawing you in to learn to be more like Jesus. And so some, some of you need to be reminded that, you know, that you're a part of that, that Jesus that's a son and daughter, right? You're a part of that Jesus that uh, is made in the image of God, that, that is uh, dearly loved, that God died for you, you know? And then there's others that yeah. need to be called in to take up your cross and follow after the Lord, that there's things in your life you need to crucify. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point because you, I'm glad that you, you, you mentioned that, that it is a, it is a balancing act and it really is only the Lord who can tip that scale for you in the direction it needs to go. And depending on what setting, because I definitely needed to, I definitely needed to hear, man, Troy, you, you're, you're a good dad. <laughs> like you're a, Troy, you're a great dad you're a great husband because that, you know, uh, especially earlier on, I mean, we're, we've been married eight years. Our oldest kid is going to be five. It's not that long, but it was long enough where I, I still remember some of the, my earliest mistakes very vividly as a father and as a husband. And I've had my moments where I'm reflecting and I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm not good at this, right? I am not good at this. And I needed people to come alongside and be like, no, Troy, like the very fact that you are pursuing being better at this speaks to the type of father you mm -hmm. want to be. And and I think that's really it. Is there some level of of a boasting in who who the Lord has created you to be that doesn't push you over the edge? It puts you in a, the right position to properly move and operate according to what God has wanted you wanted you to do. But then there's I guess you raise it you like I said you raise a good point because there's some people who I won't say, hey, man, you're a great artist. Not because I don't believe they're a good artist, but because if I say they're a great artist, it won't actually have the same weight because they already think that they're amazing. Mm -hmm. I may point out something like, hey, this I love how you do this. And it may be something very intentionally nuanced that not everyone is paying attention to. And I think, you know, especially coming off the back of uh, the Leadership Summit, this is I think that's part of leadership as well, is how do you champion the people you work with or that are working for you without pressing into their ego, but at the same time, not withholding compliment because you want to seem like, oh, I'm not easily impressed or whatever. 
You know, one thing I find really interesting in all of this discussion is when we're talking about humility, we're always talking about humility against the backdrop of something else. So when I think of humility, it seems to me that humility is a contextual virtue. So for example, I know of this guy who moved to downtown east side in Vancouver to work there. And anybody who knows that area knows how dangerous it can be. Mm-hmm. Um especially Main Street and Hastings. It's it, right around that area is known as the poorest postal code in all of Canada. Lots of drug users. And it's just all around not a safe place. So when his family moved there, especially with a young child, like a toddler, um, his family was all up in arms about it. It's such a dangerous place. What are you doing taking your kid there? But he's like, like mom, dad, you don't understand. Like when I walk down the street with my you know, toddler, right? So he, he told a story of one time when these two guys just out of nowhere started scrapping, right? And it was like right by him and his little son. He's like, hey, there's a kid here. And they immediately stopped. And they looked at the kid and said, oh, I'm so sorry, right? Like it, It's so, well, in the presence of the innocence of the child, right? It, you know, you, you, you feel humbled. Mm-hmm. Right. What? How much more so when you're in the presence of a holy God? Like, for example, uh, Elijah. Right? Was it Elijah who saw that the image, the vision, or was it Isaiah? <laughs> saw the the vision in the temple. That was Isaiah. It's like I am ruined. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah. I I I'm ruined because I I. So when he saw the holiness of God, he's like, man, look at me. I'm I'm filthy. Right. So it's like there's that contrast that sometimes gives you that sense of humility. That that is that actually is really helpful. That's a really good point. I love how you said, in, in contrast to who God is, kind of what Andy's saying is like in comparison to the holy God we serve, mm-hmm. you are trash. Like, <laughs> it doesn't mean God is saying you are trash. That it doesn't mean that he that we should walk around self deprecating and calling ourselves down. And I think that's maybe where I was talking about is some people go so far that they actually believe it. Like, and like Andy was pointing out with that story, this person was like, man, I really don't yeah. like myself at all. And, and so I guess my question is for you guys, what are some ways that we, you can properly try and weigh that scale? Cause it's, it's very, very difficult. Well, this is one of the things I think though, is the beauty of the gospel. It's one of the things that actually is, you know, a demonstration to me of just the, even the truth of the gospel is how countercultural the gospel is. That mm. the the gospel is all about humility. It's this it's this perspective of your relationship with God that God loves you so much that God would be willing to humble Himself for you in the person of Christ, and that Jesus was willing to to die for you in his, in His love for you that you might be lifted up. So Jesus was willing to be you know literally put in the ground that you might be that you might be lifted up to eternal life and that that should change the way you see the world of course that should change you know the type of pride that we have it's like a it's a it should be a a good kind of you know view of ourselves where where we have this this view of our immense value right that should mm. that should inspire you and yet at the same time, yeah. we have this bent to take it in a bad direction, right? Where we, 
take that into a self-serving kind of direction that Paul, as you mentioned, uh, Steve is is seeking to call us away from in Philippians chapter two, where he says, you know, have the same mindset uh, as, as Christ. And that, you know, that even though he had this equality with God, he didn't use it as something, you know, to his own advantage, but but rather he he made himself nothing. He took the very, you know, fir- form of a of a servant. And and so then it's this call that, you know, you have this immense value, but don't use that that value something to your own advantage, but rather humble yourself. And one of the ways that I see this, you know, is when Jesus calls us to take up our own cross is, you know, that that could be death, but but is unlikely. And Paul here in Philippians 2 is saying, well, you know, it's probably going to look more like uh, crucifying your selfish ambition and your vain conceit. That, that That's what yeah. it's going to look like to take up your cross. There are different aspects of your life uh, that you're, you're going to need to humble yourself. And you're going to need to kill certain aspects of, of your of your pride, right? That it's like, yes, you have this immense value, but it's like balancing it correctly and not letting it, you know, um, begin to shape you in a negative way and in a way that's going to move you out of relationship with God and out of relationship with people. I shared this um, this pet this. This past week, in this idea uh, where, where scriptures in Matthew five says the meek shall inherit the earth, and how it is an old English word that was used in relation to taming a horse, or to give better context, even a stallion. And making a horse did not mean to strip the power from a horse, but rather to harness the horse's power from a state of wild independence to one of loyalty mm. so that the horse could be used as the master of the horse intended. And I think that really is what the purpose of humility really is. This idea that the God isn't asking us to forsake the giftings and talents he's given you. He gave them to you. What he is saying is be in recognition of this gift, let me use it. Allow me to use it where I see fit not where you're going to get the first reaction, not where you're just going to get the quickest results. That's a yeah. great example, Troy. And one of the things we've talked about before with that word is the word meekness You really translates as power under control. Yeah. And, and you see that obviously with a horse, right? Like a stallion, it's this incredibly powerful animal, but that power is under control. But think yeah. about it like this. You could also talk about meekness as value under control. That's good. It, yeah. Right. Somebody with an, an incredible amount of value. You are, you know, a son, daughter of the king, and you could use, you could walk around with that sort of swagger. Right. Yeah. But instead, it's that value under control where you, where you humble yourself, even, even though. I think you see that with, I think you see that with, uh, with Saul, right? He was anointed to be king, but he just kind of walked around like, well, I've, I can do what I want, even though I was given clear instructions to to wipe out this entire nation and not bring anything back because I'm the king. Maybe I'm just I'm just going to flex my kingly power. Hey, no, go do that thing that that I want to do. And even when he's questioned on it, like it, 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 it was such a weird interaction. Sam was like, what is this that you have done? Well, what do you mean? What have I done? I did the kingly thing. I just like I know that's what you said, but look at the abundance. And it's like, man, you literally just 
forfeit the power that you were given. Like you just forfeited it for the sake of your idea of how it should be used. I'm always reminded of the ver- verses in the Bible. And I think about first Peter, for example, where he says, God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. And that, that, that's resonated with me, man. I don't want, I don't want to put myself in opposition to God. And I would say that, of course, that's exactly what Saul did. He, he, he put himself into uh, opposition with God. And you see this with various figures in, in the Old Testament where they're opposed to God because of their pride. Now, here's something I just want to maybe kind of we could just bring home as we finish this discussion. And that is, you know, what are the practicalities of how does it, how that looks in a culture where we're constantly being drawn into, into pride. Like, and this is one of the things that's really hard to be honest about running an organization like Apologetics Canada is that we, uh, you know, we're fundraise based. So we have to boast. We're constantly having to boast about what we're doing, where we're going, because we're trying to inspire people to give to the work that we're doing. But it, but it, I don't know about you guys, but you always feels like you're putting, puts you into this wrestling match with like, yeah. okay, is, am I, am I being prideful? Like, cause I, I, you know, we have to take photos of events we do and we got to post those and we got to tell you stories about how great it went and, you know, how many mm-hmm. cool speaking engagements we're doing or whatever they might be. And I'm just like, ugh. I just can't stand yeah. all of the yeah. self-promotion that we have to do yeah. to be a, a nonprofit organization. It's it is a challenge. Yeah, no, that's a great point and that's why a couple of things that I try to always keep in mind is one gratitude, right? Cuz humility uh when you have proper humility, it will come out it, it will be manifested as in the forms of gratitude. And the second thing too is I have to be like when we do self promotion, I have to be very clear about the end goal of it. That's right, right? Because the end goal, the intent is not to say, "Oh, look how great we are." The goal is to let people know what we're doing, right? So that you know, if they so feel inspired or led, they can give to the work of the, the work that is not our own, but it is for the kingdom of God, kind of a thing, right? And so. You know, when you're trying to measure the moral quality of an action, intent plays a critical role, right? Because that's what differentiates, for example, a gift and uh, between gift and a bribe. Because mm-hmm. the act of giving something to somebody else is exactly the same, but the moral quality completely changes depending on the intent. So, yeah, when we do like an event like launch, where we're talking about all the things that are that we've been doing and that are coming up. I, I have to be personally really clear about this. And I think you guys would agree as an organization, we have to be very clear. And, and I think what you're kind of speaking to, Steve, is the the other side of pride. You can be prideful in not wanting to upgrade. And you can be prideful in not wanting to try and maintain a, a level of cultural relevance as a thing, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if these statistics are, are legitimate, but there was a pastor who was saying, that culture ultimately shifts and changes about every four or five years. But the church, for whatever reason, it takes them about 15. They're often 15. It takes them about 15. So we're often like five years behind culture or whatever, five to 10 years behind where culture's already gone. And you look at the way um, you look at for, for a prime example, for the churches that didn't want to make a shift to, to live streaming during the pandemic, 
There's a lot of churches that didn't make that shift and they they suffered for it in a in a certain capacity, right? Or they didn't want to upgrade their video like, oh, we we're not an entertainment thing. We're not a, you know, they didn't want to upgrade their sound. They didn't want to they didn't want to do the things that culture was starting to pull on, right? Because people that's just just the direction that it's going and you can be very prideful in saying we're not going to change because we don't think we have to or we shouldn't we shouldn't have to change. You know, that's it's an interesting point, Troy, because think about it like that and how much intent plays into this, because you can have a church that's choosing not to upgrade their carpets because they actually have a pride issue, right? Yeah. It could be like, look at how frugal yeah, we are or whatever it might be. And it's like, yeah. Like, We've had this carpet for since the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's kind of interesting in that regard, isn't it? Because, you know, you you would think, you wouldn't think of that that way, but it absolutely can be the case. And I've seen it where it's the case where carpet, old carpet can be prideful. Old pews can be, can be prideful or, you know, right. Or not upgrading your sound system can actually be a prideful, a pride issue where, so it's, it's one of those things where you're constantly balancing those. You're constantly needing to be in prayer and asking the Lord and searching yourself. What, what are my intentions and do I have my focus in the right and the right place? And do you know what, honestly, though, I think it's also a matter of saying and and it's a tough prayer because trust me, God will answer it. It's a constant prayer saying, you know what, Lord, I know that pride's going to sneak in here. So keep me humble. God is going to humble you because it's a challenge, right? And that we will, we will be wooed in, in prideful ways and God's going to need to pull us back on track and being okay with that humbling process. It precisely because it's for our good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what's going to lead to the flourishing of myself and those around me. That's how God built us. Uh, pride is going to wreck everything. Humility, on the other hand, is going to lead to that flourishing. Now, yeah. you guys aren't at this moment yet as parents. You're, you're creeping in there. Steve's creeping in there more. But it's, it's an interesting place that you get to with your kids where you, you, know, you teach them by demonstrating humility through asking for forgiveness, for example, yeah. where you're like, man, I didn't, I didn't handle that conversation with you the way that I should have, you know, forgive me. Uh, yeah. let, let's start over. And those can be some of the most powerful teaching moments with your children. Yeah. It's always this, uh, Lord, help me keep right perspective of who I am in relation to who you are. Like, again, I love what you said, Steve, keep, help me keep proper contrast to who you are so that you're my standard, you're the foundation in which I see myself, and everything comes after. If, it, if you're the foundation of what greatness and goodness and excellence looks like, then help me keep proper perspective of where I am in that timeline and accept the, the mercy and grace of the fact that you want relationship with me and you want to use my imperfection for your glory. If that doesn't keep you humble, then nothing will. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. As always, we pray that you are challenged and encouraged. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, so make sure to like and subscribe on all your favorite platforms and say hello on social media. When we put out a post, you sharing it, you commenting only helps us beat the algorithm to get this message out to people. We want to consistently do what we can to give good reasons for people to hope in Jesus. But you know the drill. Until next time, love God, love people. Bye for now.